Okay, then. Ron Wolfley. Ron Wolfley. What is up? <laughs> Witch Buster. Extraordinaire. Love that guy. Luke Lipinski. Yay. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. from the Auction Community Studios on this Wednesday morning. It is the Wolf and Luke Show. Wolf, what's going on over there? Not a whole lot, Luke. How are you doing this morning? I'm in a great mood this morning. Really, I can tell you're in a great mood right now. You're wearing black, walking around all black right now. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. Uh, but now I actually kind of am in a good mood because here... Google it, my young crunks. Everybody knows who Johnny Cash is. No, they do not. Who Johnny Cash Stop movie. it. They do not know who Johnny Cash is. Um, the the news that U of A got absolutely no punishment, I'm assuming, just means ASU will get no punishment for football, but it won't come down for another four years. So that actually does put me in a good mood. Don't he, you know what? Honestly, right now, don't get me started on the NCAA. <laughs> We Can we drop the double A? Let's just call it the NCA. <laughs> All right, period. Forget about the double A. They're double nothing. There's, I like that. That's a, it's a good start to the show, and it allows us to delay the inevitable of talking about what is going on with the Phoenix Suns. Wolf, another mostly non-competitive game last night in Houston against the Rockets. It's one thing to be uncompetitive against the Celtics, and even that's not really acceptable when you're at the level the Suns have been for two years up until a week and a half ago. But whatever happened last night, and I know there's injuries and blah, blah, blah. Come on. You can't be down. We got to the point in that game where it was like, hey, the Suns cut it to 12. Cool. You're playing yeah. Houston. Yeah. The Houston Rockets, of course, 8-18 eight and 18 going into this game against the Suns, but they had been playing so much better. As a matter of fact, I think in their last eight games, they were 5-3, and three, if I'm not mistaken. They had been playing a lot better, a lot more competitive basketball. And you know what's interesting about this is we were watching the Houston Rockets, of course, on the 2nd of this month, December 2nd, as a matter of fact, they were the ones who really started all this. Yeah. With the Phoenix They Suns. really are. Jerks. They lost that game, right? They What was the final of that? 123-122? 122-121. 122-121 right there. The Houston Rockets. You know what? I'm going by memory. <laughs> Give me a break on that one right there. <laughs> You're finally okay? wrong about I, a number just... by one digit. <laughs> one digit. I had to, I had to gloat I, on that but one. Think about that, Luke. Um, they were the ones who really kind of started all this at the beginning of the month. Yeah. No, you're 100% right. And all this is the Suns finishing November at 15 and 6, okay? Beat the Bulls by 19 on November 30th to finish the month of November at 15 and 6. They played Houston December 2nd. They had a big lead in that game. They lost by one, and they have now lost six of seven. The one win was over San Antonio, who's not good. Man. They've lost six of seven, and Wolf, honestly, a lot of these games aren't even close for most of the game. They really aren't. I mean, the... The, the loss to New Orleans on Sunday to me was that's an injured team, but they're they're playing sure. as hard as they can. Sure, you know, they're showing everything they have. Okay, you lost, you lost in overtime, New Orleans. If you put that effort together against Houston last night, you probably win the game. So what's going on? Yeah, exactly. To me, once again, when I look at it, what are your what are your thoughts in regard to what seems to be consistent? 
what we're seeing from the Suns over this span. And I'm going to go all the way back to the Houston Rockets against the Suns on the second of this month. I'm going to say that is where this kind of started, this whole thing. And when I look at it right now, there are two things. It's defense in particular, their culture. So much of their culture was about their defense, their toughness, their physicality. They were going to go out there and they were going to compete. But it came down to their defense so much of the time and the way they would just choose to lock it down. Okay, I guess we're playing for keeps. And suddenly they would do that in the fourth quarter. That and how clutch they were in the fourth quarter as well. But they're getting offed to some brutal starts in terms of shooting. It's very strange to me. I don't. We're going to have Eddie Johnson on in a little bit so we can ask him about this. Um, I don't remember a team, Wolf, that, I'm sure it's happened, but I don't really remember one where it's like, okay, one guy can't hit a shot tonight, so nobody can. Like, it, Why is the missing contagious? There was a point last night where they were 4 of 24 from 3. And I'll get into the 3s in a second because that's almost more disturbing to me. And campaign had hit 3 of them. Yeah, I think he was three of four. So the rest of the team was one of 20 from three. So and you go around just just actual shooting at halftime. The only guy that had even hit two shots for most of the first half was DeAndre Ayton. But to the threes, I don't... To me, when, when, you, when you talk about a team that has to take threes and has to win by threes, you have to live or die by the three, to me, that is a team that's not as good as the other team. Like It's like March Madness. When, when typically there's an upset, it's a smaller school that just got hot from three, right? That's not what the Suns are supposed to be. They're supposed to be better than Houston. Why do you have to hoist 51 threes? Yes, and again, you know what? When I'm looking at the common denominators here with the Suns, it's defense and trying to defend the guy in front of them. Um, very, very difficult for them. They give up so much penetration, but it was defense. It's the clutch, of course. And then it's just getting off to some really bad starts in terms of shooting the basketball. The, this team was pathetic in the first half. Just absolutely pathetic right there. They were ice cold from the arc, and not only that, ice cold from the floor, period. You had, it was amazing because you had Mikal Bridges in the first half base at Onions. He was one of 12. Mikal Bridges it's so was ridiculous. one of 12. You have to laugh. First of all, the fact that he even took 12 shots. I, that was number one. He take 12 an entire game. It blew, it blew my mind. He took 12 <laughs> shots. And the, the first half wasn't even over at that point in time. But, man, they did. They, we're, we're talking about just being as bad as bad can get. The first half, they were 4 of 24. 4 of 24 beyond the arc. And campaign was hitting. He that was is still right. Campaign was on fire. Okay, six. he was the only guy, if you ask me, that was on fire. 16% from beyond the arc. There were 11 of 50 from the floor. Let that sink in. 11 of 50 from the floor. 22% shooting as a team. That's what I'm it, talking about. Why is that contagious? It was It was absolutely awful. And we've seen them now, over the course of this losing streak in particular, get off to some bad, bad starts. Not all the time, but I think for the most part, 
it's pretty consistent. They get off to some bad starts, and suddenly they're down by 20 points or more. Well, and and this is not just a, well, Devin Booker didn't play last night, and that's why they didn't shoot well. When he doesn't shoot well, the whole team just doesn't shoot well. And, yeah, I want Cam Johnson back, but let's not pretend Cam Johnson suddenly fixes this just by being no. back on the floor. Here's the individual numbers at halftime. Wolf, this is how bad it was. I took a screenshot of the box score at halftime, okay? This is just individual shooting. Yeah. Torrey Craig, one for four. Yeah. Mikel Bridges, like you said, one for 12. Chris Paul, one for four. Landry Shamit, one for six. DA, two for 10. How does DA go two for 10? Yes. He rebounds the ball three times. I actually saw him three times offensively on the glass, and he missed every putback. <laughs> I, I didn't know that how was, feel about that. That was amazing. I was like, well, at least he got the rebounds, because they did get out-rebounded by an extreme total in this game, but at least he was getting the rebounds, but I he was, was missing like, the putbacks. No, we were all, rebound that basketball! <laughs> right? Yeah, that okay, all? Whatever. Uh, Damian Lee won for eight. Um Bismack was one for one in the first half. But the point is, you can. It was bad. You, you can't all miss shots. It can't yes. just be like, well, Mikel's missing shots, so now I can't make shots either. Something's got to change there. See, to me, once again, no, okay, that's that's missing shots. That's going to happen from time to time. You're going to have some bad games, and especially when Devin Booker is not in the lineup. Yeah, you're going to have some bad games. I get that. It was the fact they were flat out outworked. They were outworked. They just got beat. Again, by the Houston Rockets. They were out-rebounded 67-44. to 44. Just got out-worked, man. Sorry. 67-44 to 44 and points in the paint 40-28. to 28. I'm just talking about the physicality down low once again. This is, this is um, starting to become a common occurrence right now. And I think we all would agree that this is not a very physical team right now. And you have to ask the question, when will they be? If not now, when will they be? When will they be physical? I I don't know, but the tone setter right now has got to continue to be physical in regard to saying, I I don't care what my numbers are. I'm going to impact everything else around me. And I just don't think DeAndre Ayton thinks that way. I don't think he does. I'm not attacking him. I just don't think he's built that way. If they get Devin Booker back on Thursday, there's talk about that. If they start winning games again, then then this is just a blip on the radar of the season. But I, I, I kind of laugh when people are like, oh, who cares? It's, you know, it's, it's December. Well, who cares is some of these teams, not Houston, but some of these teams are teams you're going to meet in the playoffs. And the other thing, Wolf, okay, you've dropped a fourth in the Western Conference. To me, it matters to be in the top four, if, if not the top two. Portland's a half game behind you. The Clippers are a half game behind you. Sacramento and Utah are both one game behind you. Dallas is one and a half. Golden State is two behind you. Golden yeah. State, who is 10th. Sure. You're two games out of 10th in the Western <laughs> Conference. So it's not like the games don't matter at all in the regular season. You don't want to be in that play-in tournament. Yeah. No, you don't want to be in the play-in tournament, of course. But once again, um, listen, this is a long season, ladies and gentlemen. This is not an overreaction whatsoever. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with the Phoenix Suns right now. They're a good basketball team still. Not a great team. They're not playing great right now. They're a good basketball team. But... You got to look at this team and you have to say there's something wrong. There is. What do you got to do to fix it? They know better than most. 
All right, we come back over to football, the ACL injury official for Kyler Murray. We got to talk to Cliff Kingsbury about it briefly yesterday, but we'll uh, kind of react to his reaction to losing his quarterback for at least the rest of this season. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. We are live from the Oxygen Community Studios. It's um, after the adventure yesterday where you did half the show in one location and half the show in, a, in another location. That was... That was a first, I was going to say, the best part is when we had guests on. So, like, if you missed the show yesterday, we were doing the Holiday Heroes, right? So we're out yeah. there at GCU's Championship Golf Course. And it was Wolf awesome. It, it was. It was fantastic. It ended up being a perfect day for golf. Uh, you know, great turnout by the A little chill, but still. But it looked nice yes. from where we were sitting. Very cool. So Wolf did the first, what was like first hour 45 of the show. Yeah. There. Right there, man. Then you had to get down to Tempe to do the second part of the show from Cardinals, and we were having Cliff Kingsbury on. So for like an hour, Tim Ring stepped in. I think he stole your lunch. Yeah. And then at the end, when we had guests on, they were they were like, wait, why am I hearing wolf in my head? <laughs> it was so weird, right? <laughs> and Tim ate the turkey sandwich. He did. He Timmy did. ate it. We, we know you did, Tim. He didn't. I saw him do it. Oh, you yeah, did? Oh, okay. So we no have verification yeah, on that. Okay, great. Because he, he, he said he wasn't going to eat it. Everyone knows a free sandwich in a box. Come on, man. You're going to eat that. Not thing. to you. They, they, <laughs> Wolf's like, anybody want to tell Yeah, but I sandwich? never eat during the no, show. No, you never you know do. That. I've, I've never seen you eat during the show except the lobster roll. Except for coffee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which I will out. never do again. <laughs> the last it hour. put me to sleep. The best part is the last hour oh. of that show. We, had, we each we were like, did the lobster roll just knock us out? And then Dave Burns came in to start the next show. And he's like, I think that lobster roll knocked me out. I, I'm telling you right now. It was like I hit Ray Bentley all over again. <laughs> Google it, my young crunks. Uh, all right. Uh, back to more serious notes with the Arizona Cardinals. We, every every day after a Cardinals game, we get to talk to Cliff Kingsbury. It's right at the end of the show, though, and then we don't get to react to it, obviously, until the next day. So let's react now. This is Cliff Kingsbury on with us yesterday, talking about how the Kyler Murray injury affects the team now. Yeah, I mean, short term is, is kind of where we're at. We haven't sat down and kind of discussed timetables or, or where it's going to go from from here, but um, unfortunate, no doubt. You know, we've dealt with some adversity this season, and um, you know, I thought like the Chargers game, we really had a, a, a pretty good rhythm um, with Kyler. I thought he was feeling comfortable, and unfortunately, you know, we aren't going to be able to finish. You know, building off that momentum, which was something we were both looking forward to, and, and so we'll uh, get him in surgery and, and uh, kind of take it from there. That was one of my big takeaways, as a matter of fact, was that right there. The Chargers game. And what happened in the Chargers game? How much did they rush for in that game? Well, what a Connor 181. Yeah. 181 yards. And James Connor, yeah, had what? 120 yards on yeah. 25 carries. I mean, this is exactly the kind of offense that I thought we were going to see. And it's interesting to hear Cliff Kingsbury talk about that game in particular. Now, listen, the Los Angeles Chargers do not have a good front seven in terms of rush defense. They do not base their names. They really struggle on that. Yet at the same time, that's still, it doesn't matter. That is exactly the way they've got to run the ball. The New England Patriots, on the other hand, they're top 10. They're top 10. They're rush defense. It's an excellent defense in terms of rushing yards per game and rushing yards per play allowed. 
They are fantastic. And yet, guess what? The Arizona Cardinals were able to run the ball to a point they averaged over five yards a carry against the New England Patriots. And guess what? James Conner was in the center of that all over again. That, to me, is encouraging. That has got to be the baseline for this team going forward into the offseason. We wanted to see Kyler Murray in that offense, that kind of offense. And it's not going to happen. No, and I know we, we keep saying this, but I... <sighs> We came in after the Chargers game. It was like, okay, what is there left this season? What's what's really still on the line? And you and I, and, 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 and uh, we're not the only ones. A million people instantly came to the conclusion of, okay, Kyler Murray, what he does the rest of the season, that matters. What What is he doing now going into the offseason? And it's sort of remarkable to have a team that's out of the playoffs at that point going into the bye week and still have something very important that was like legitimately important to, to see and to play for in the final five games. And now that that's out the window, I mean, it puts the it puts the capper on, I mean, just to be honest, a, a brutal year for Kyler Murray. He, he showed progress each of his first three brutal. years. It was rough. Cliff Kingsbury talked about that yesterday, too. A difficult year, obviously, from the beginning with, you know, not doing much in training camp with the wrists and then COVID and then, um, you know, ha- having a tough stretch, you know, offensively not playing as well as we thought we could. And I really thought against the Chargers. Uh, our rhythm was a little bit better and was excited about this last you know five games and so um, to not be able to kind of build off that was was disappointing and um, you know just tough for, for all parties involved it's just a lost year for Kyler Murray and I know people are upset at the Cardinals and there's plenty of mistakes they have made I don't know that you can blame the team for Kyler Murray's lost year but the reality is Wolf it is a lost year and now it's going to get a lot more challenging to put a great team around him because he's about to eat up a lot of your salary cap. Yeah, no, I know exactly. Uh, it is a challenge right now for the Arizona Cardinals. You know what's so dumbfounding as well? Quarterback rating is really, really big in the Wolfley compound. We are the Wu Fang clan. We put a lot of stock into the quarterback rating. And the reason being is because year after year after year, for the most part, you will see the best quarterbacks in the league. They're in the top 10. <laughs> They're in the top 10. Okay, I, I realize there's some quote-unquote flaws, of course, that the quarterback rating has, but I think it's a great indicator as to how a human being is playing the quarterback position in the National Football League because of the names that typically appear time after time after time. And I'm talking about with large sample sizes, not not, not a three-game, not a two-game period. Sorry, Brock Purdy. No, yeah, exactly. I'm talking about a large sample size, 12 games, 14 games plus over the course of a season. Then you get a great indicator as to how a human being is playing that position. Kyler Murray came into the league, and his rookie year, he had an 87.4 quarterback rating. Okay, not great. Uh, not horrific, but certainly not great by any stretch of the imagination. Year two, 94.3 was his quarterback rating. Ah, now all of a sudden you're starting to get my attention. That's pretty good. A hair above average. And then his third year in 2021, 100.6. Now all of a sudden when you hit that magic magic three-digit number, you hit that 100 mark, the century mark. Now all of a sudden you're playing the position at a pretty good clip right there. This year, 87.2. So it is the lowest quarterback rating he will have since he entered the league. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. 
2022, the calendar year, if you go back to that Rams playoff game, uh, and, and even just the, the very end of last season, just it's it, it has to be when you look back at Kyler Murray's career, it needs to be the outlier. It has to be the lost year. It has to, and you know, you said this yesterday. Maybe it, maybe maybe on on paper it looks like the outlier in the lost year. Maybe it it drives him to greater things in the future. But this this has to be the low point for Kyler Murray. You took him with the first overall pick, and I know teams missed on the first overall pick, and it, that that happens. But you can't, <laughs> really, you can't. And not only did you take him with the first overall pick, but you've given him a, a quarter of a billion dollars. This has to be the low point. You have to wonder, will this motivate him? Will this have the impact that I think it will have on him? Cliff Kingsbury actually was talking about this as well yesterday. I don't know if you know the cut that I'm talking about. But Cliff Kingsbury did say Kyler on the motivation part. He thinks he's going to be highly motivated. Well, you have that I don't have it labeled like that. Can, but I, I, have, can I just I have, read it then? Yeah, go ahead and read it. Okay. Quote, both of us heard enough this year to be highly motivated for the offseason. I know he will be, too. Those surgeries have been proven recently that guys are coming back and uh, they're coming back and faster and stronger. And I know he's excited about that process. Both of us heard enough this year to be highly motivated for the offseason. Interesting right there. Why why would Cliff say that? Well, he knows why in regard to himself, of course, why he would be motivated. But I know Kyler Murray as well. This is going to be this is going to be, I think, a positive in the long run for him. Unless I miss my guess on this. I think this is going to be a positive for him in the long run because he knows maybe for the first time in his life that he has truly experienced failure, failure at a personal level. He came into the league 87.4 and the quarterback rating was there. And guess what? He was the offensive rookie of the year. Second year into the league, what happened? Oh, you know what? Kyler Murray was a pro bowler out there with Aaron Rodgers. Third year, he's a Pro Bowler. Once again, look, everybody, it's Kyler Murray out of the Pro Bowl. Voted. This is the first year he's really experienced a setback well, yeah, and this, in his career. This was all before the injury, too. I mean, the reason it comes up now is because his season is over. So you're looking at his season as a complete story now. There was no last four or five weeks where he kind of got it together and started to go in the right direction. Now he's over. So now you, you, have, you have the failure of the season and the injury on top of it. And, yeah, it's funny. When I, when I saw that quote, too, I was like, Kyler doesn't even have Twitter on his phone. I was hearing all this. And I remembered Hollywood Brown just sends him the tweets. <laughs> text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Four games left. Who do you trust at the top of the National Football League? Our power poll is next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. NFL season will affect uh, start tomorrow. Isn't uh, Seahawks Niners is tomorrow, isn't it? That's a game. 
Yeah, that is going to be a game right there, man. I cannot wait to see that. That also is in Seattle, is it not? I believe it's up in Seattle. Um, that is going to be very, very physical. That's going to be a blow-your-face-off game. Yeah, and there's no guarantee that Brock Purdy is going to play tomorrow. We can get into that a little bit later on in the show. But right now it is time for the power pull heading into Week 15. So let's start. I'll go first with number five. And number five, okay. <laughs> who is the best in the NFL? Wolf and Luke's NFL Power Power Brought to you by IBEW Local 640, the best electricians in the world. Right now, number five is the Dallas Cowboys, a team that was less than uh, less than impressive on Sunday. Wolf trailing the Houston Texans pretty much all game, came back one at the end. That was kind of a all right. Houston is the worst team in the league or has the worst record for a reason, and they kind of fell apart at the very end of the game. I'm not putting Dallas in the top five because of that. I'm going to go with the body of work for the rest of the season. But I tell you, it was really between Dallas and Cincinnati for my number five, and I I hate myself for. Doing it, but I went with the Cowboys. Okay, that's that's great, Luke. Um, you know what? Honestly, I just need a qualifier here. The 49ers are not in my power pole. They are Ooh, not. Okay. And it's because of Brock Purdy and what is going on with Brock Purdy right now. Um, their quarterback at some point in time is going to bite him in the can. When is that going to be? I don't know. Again, I'm not rooting against Brock Purdy. I am not doing that, but he's most likely, I think, going to miss, at least from what I'm hearing, he's going to miss this game tomorrow night. And that, I think, is going to be problematic right now. At some point in time, it's just a matter of attrition for the 49ers. Even as talented as the roster is, Debo Samuel, as well, is not going to play. He's not going to play yeah, for probably play for three, four weeks right now, maybe even five. So Debo Samuel, that is a question mark right there going forward. The 49ers, I think injuries at the wrong positions are going to catch up to them, and that's the reason why they're just outside. Having said that, my number five team, the Cincinnati Bengals. Ah. The Bengals at number five. Why? Why do you say, ah? That, that's why I wanted to fit in there, and I, I went back and forth between Dallas and Cincinnati. Cincinnati looks really legit, and, and if you were drafting quarterbacks going forward, boy, wouldn't Joe Burrow be one of your top three? Yeah, and one of the big reasons why Basin Onions is because they've got Joe Burrow in an offense that looks a lot more physical and looks a lot more balanced than what it was in the first half of the season. The Cincinnati Bengals have found themselves a little something, something, a little something in terms of running the ball, a little stank, if you will. Man, you, you got to love a football team that finds stank. The Cincinnati Bengals have found it. Because of it, it is benefiting Joe Burrow. All right, number four. <laughs> number four. Uh, number four, everything you just said about San Francisco. I am going with San Francisco. Now, the Brock Purdy thing is real. If he's going to be hurt, too, and you're going with, with Josh Johnson at some point, it is going to catch up with you. But... They have established, and it's not just the last few weeks, it's really the last couple of years, Wolf. You don't need much from your quarterback to have success with this 49ers team. So I still have them at number four. 
Okay, the 49ers at number four, I'll give you that. Their roster is so incredibly talented, even without Debo Samuel. Um, okay, number four for me, the Dallas Cowboys. That's what I did. I went with the Dallas Cowboys at 10 and 3. Doesn't feel good, does it? Right now, it doesn't feel good. The star, oh, I hated the star. I hated it. And did. And it made a great target. I like to say that as well. Never forget Bill Bates. Never forget. Google it, my young crunks. Bill Boy Bates. Never forget what a good target that made. <laughs> um, having said that, the Dallas Cowboys at 10-3. and three. Jera. Yeah, they're still in it. 10-3. and three. Number four. All right, number three. Number three. Three. Number, the, the top three are pretty clear-cut, Wolf, but two and three to me are about as even as I can remember, and I'm, I'm just going to put the Chiefs at number three because I think in a one-and-done playoff, the other team is going to be so desperate, I'm going to give them the slight edge. Kansas City's loaded. Kansas City could absolutely easily win the Super Bowl. I, I will have them at number three right now, though. Okay, you have at number three. Vaughn Miller is no longer a part of the Buffalo Bills. I had to go with that and put them at number three. I'm with you on this. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, these are two teams that I do believe when it's all said and done, I think they will be playing in the AFC Championship game. But we'll see how it goes because you never know in terms of the matchups and where the seeding may be and who they're going to play in order to get there. So, Having said that, um, I'm still going to keep the Bills at number three, and a lot of it is because Von Miller is gone. All right, number two. Number two. Number two, I have Buffalo. Again, pretty much dead heat with the uh, the Chiefs. I just, the Bills, that team is so good and desperate, and I'm not saying the Chiefs aren't desperate. I mean, to me, it's 2A and 2B with this. Uh, so, yeah, the Bills at number two. Yeah, I had the Kansas City Chiefs. Surprise! <laughs> That was no surprise to anybody, I think. The Kansas City Chiefs at 10-3, and three, number two in my power poll. And number one? Number one. Numero uno. Unbelievable. Little anticlimactic when they never lose games. The Philadelphia Eagles are 12 and 1, Wolf, and they seem to be getting better as the season goes. These games are getting less and less uh, competitive. They're just running teams right off the field. Jalen Hurts is now the overwhelming favorite in Vegas to win NFL MVP this season. I cannot say I would have picked that before the start of the year. Jalen Hurts. Oh, my goodness. I'm so happy for this kid. I really am. I, I'm calling him a kid. Um, he is a kid to me, right? Sorry. When you're 60, everybody's a kid for the most part. <laughs> All right, uh, Jalen Hurts, um, this kid has made himself. He's gotten some very good coaching, of course, and his teammates have picked him up. But this kid has made himself into the highest-rated quarterback in the National Football League in terms of a quarterback rating. I just got done telling you guys how much stock we have the Wu-Fang Clan put into the quarterback rating. He is the number one rated quarterback in the NFL with a quarterback rating over 108. He is playing exceptionally well. The reason why the Philadelphia Eagles are 12-1, the reason why they're number one in my power poll, 
is because of Jalen Hurts and how well he is playing. What you see is what you get. And what you get is real with Jalen Hurts. I heard the stat, and I'll try and find it later in the week or maybe during one of these breaks, but the, the teams, there's not a lot of teams that, that are one-loss teams over the last 20 years. And, and you see the list, and you're like, well, these are all really, really good football teams. Not many of them actually win the Super Bowl. It's a weird thing. I don't know yeah. if it just catches up with you or what, but the Eagles are, are, are just loaded top to bottom. All right, that was the Power Poll when we come back. Why do the Phoenix Suns keep starting games slow now? We're going to try and figure that out next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. I'm just reading through some of these big sanctions that came down on U of A today. Well, in case big you missed it, yeah. sanctions. Here they are. Okay, U of A. U of A. Just, I mean, the the investigation oh, is over. The sarcasm. Once I, again. There's sarcasm is not a strong enough word. They will be paying a five thousand dollar fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and man, honestly, there are guys out there that have paid that fine for speeding. <laughs> I believe five thousand dollars for a major university. Why even have the fine? I'm reading through how the NCAA is justifying this, and, and the only reason I'm bringing this up is it may it may apply to ASU too. Their their list of uh, the the punishments, the full penalties for Arizona's men's basketball program, everything they list off says self imposed in parentheses. So maybe that's just what they're going to do. Now I don't know why it took five years to be like, hey, this school's punishing themselves. We once again are useless as the NCAA. But I hope they do that with ASU too, because mm-hmm. I would say ASU football suffered a lot more than U of A basketball. Just incredible right now. Honestly, that is it. That came out of the whole Sean. Miller affair, as it's become known, hey, is five thousand dollars. Yeah. Yes, five thousand dollars. Five thousand dollars. I mean, I think they lose I know your big money. Look, I know you're like five too. grand. You're oh, yeah, you scoff at five. Here, I'll grand. pay their fine. Let me just pull it out of my wallet, which I once again have. Ain't nothing but five grand. <laughs> uh, over to the Suns, who lost last night in a uh, not so great effort against the Houston Rockets. I heard this quote from Al McCoy on Bickley and Murata this morning, Wolf, and immediately thought of, of you. So I'm just going to play it right here. This is Al McCoy on with Bickley and Murata. I remember years ago, I, I asked uh, Dick Van Arsdale, uh, uh, who do you rely on to get you ready to play? Does the coach have to do it? And he interrupted right away and said, nobody has to get me ready to play. When they throw the ball up, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Well, the Suns need a little of that attitude right now. Thank you so much, Al, for bringing clarity to the madness that is out there right now. It's just, you got to be kidding me. Every player that takes the court, every player that takes the ice, every player that takes the field, I don't care what you're doing. Be responsible for yourself and whether or not you are prepared to play. This is one of the reasons I was talking about this yesterday. And I know there's so many guys out there, so many dudes with their shorts pulled up really, really high. I know there's so many guys out there who believe coaching is the end-all, be-all. Shut it. Sit down. Sit down, Twitter boy. It's not about the coach. Even the guy is it was so ironic that the the Twitter boys that are out there, the Twitter tough guys that are out there right now, it's amazing. The day that Bill Belichick is actually in town, they're bombarding 
They're bombarding the opposing coach, that being Cliff Kingsbury, of course, because of what has happened this year. When the very coach on the other side of the field, Bill Belichick, considered to be the greatest coach in the history of the National Football League, says it's the player, not the play. And yet we, there's so many people out there coaching, the, it's the one thing I can hold on to. Because maybe I could have done that. Because it's just thought. It's just thought in your own head. Maybe I could have actually been a coach. if Because I know a lot about football. I know a lot. It's the player, not the play. And it drives me absolutely nuts. And that's what Al McCoy was just talking about. He's not even supposed to get you ready to play the game. Another man gets you ready to play the game. Watch the tape. Read the scouting report. And control your actions on the floor, on the field, on the ice. You do it. Nobody else is responsible for you. Thank you, Al. couple things. Um, Twitter Boys, horrible band name. Sit Down Twitter Boy, great song name. Definitely. 100% I would listen to that song at least once. Uh, what you said about Bill Belichick. When Bill Belichick says it's the player not the play, that carries a lot more weight than a coach who's struggling. Because Bill Belichick is part of the age-old debate. Listen, When they won all these titles, was it Brady or Belichick? In so many people's minds, it has to be one or the other. When Belichick says it's the player not yes. the play, that's not an excuse. Yes. If, if, if a 2-13 and 13 coach says that, it's blaming the player. Yes, I just want to be so clear on this because I'm not trying to disparage any coaches in the National Football League. I'm not. I, I have respect. Oh, my goodness. The coach that I had here, Hank Coleman, still, he's, he's like a surrogate father to me this day. The, the things he taught me, I, what a great coach he truly was. But you know what? I, I didn't count on Hank to get me ready to play. He was going to tell me everything I needed to know. But it was all about me getting ready to play. And... um. I don't want to disparage any coach. That is, I, it's important. Coaching is important, but it's not this end-all, be-all. So many people, that's why I say it's overrated, because of the expectation so many people have about how important, how critical, how critical coaching is in the National Football League when really it isn't. You could have the, the wrong play, maybe the worst play for a given defense, and if you've got guys that go out and execute and do their job, and they're just better than the guy lined up, guess what? You're going to win. Now, now again, I don't want to make it sound like coaching is not important, but it's the most overrated element, especially in the game of football. And that's why Bill Belichick himself, the greatest of all time, says it's the player and not the play. Well, flipping it back to the Suns with the Al McCoy quote right there. Yeah, I mean, sorry about that. No, <laughs> got off on a little dissertation. I, think, I figured that that might send you in a direction. That's why we played it. But five straight losses for the Suns. And again, the the unfortunate theme in a lot of these games is you, you, if you flip it on in the second quarter, they're in such a hole that it, you're, you're trying to dig your way back in. And you're just you're you're starting slow. Like you've been saying, like a lot of people are saying, they, they just they. They aren't being physical, at least not as physical as you would like from a championship contender. I said this after the Boston game, uh, Wolf. I'm 
I don't like this trend where teams think they can push the Suns around. So here's more from Al McCoy with Bickley and Murata this morning. Well, I think maybe you said a big word there, confidence. They're not playing with a lot of confidence right now, uh, either offensively or defensively. And uh, being physical is part of that confidence. You've got to be able to get in there and bang guys around. Boy, I love that. Al is on a roll Al's right pretty now. good at this, huh? Yeah, he is pretty good at it, man. <laughs> he's seen an awful lot of basketball, and he's seen a lot of greats, and it it shows in what it is that he's saying right now. His answers are spot on. The physicality issue is something that I have really noticed over the course of this current losing streak right now. And again, I think we can, we can go back to December 2nd, when the Rockets actually beat beat the Suns in that game right there. Um, I think that was the beginning of all of this. I do. And when I say all of this, there are similarities that have happened since that game. And not all the time. It's not been an all-the-time thing. But a lot of the time, the Suns have come out and not looked ready to play the game. I'm sorry. But their defense is what has always shined for the most part. It did certainly last year, the last two years, I would say. But their defense is nothing like what it looked like the last two years. Nothing. And I'm getting kind of sick of the teams in this town being the the, the sort of launching pad for other teams. We saw it, I feel like, with the Cardinals and the Seahawks, although the Seahawks seem to be coming back down to earth. But if you look at that game, Wolf, that first one you keep talking about, Rockets-Suns, December 2nd, okay? The Suns led that game by 16 Houston went into that game at 5 and 16. The Suns went into that game at 15 and 6. Okay, so two very different directions. Houston comes back and wins that game by 16. And since that night, the Suns are 1 and 6. And since that night, the Rockets are 4 and 2. And the Rockets aren't a good team. Now, they have talent. They've got talent. They've got some young guys, man, I really like. Yeah, I do too. And, and I mean, they've, they've been drafting high the last couple of years. So I don't want to say they're like a bad team, but they've been a bad team. And it seems like they've started to figure it out since that 16-point rally against the Suns. Whereas that 16-point lead that the Suns gave up seems to have had the exact opposite effect on Phoenix. And so, I mean, that was on display last night because last night the Rockets were looking around like, hey, we can beat this team. Yeah. You know, we don't need to, to, to rally and beat them by one. We can just beat this team. Teams, the list of teams that should be able to do that to the Phoenix Suns right now should be like three. Yeah. They got to fix it, man. Monty talked about this, and we're going to, I think, go into it a little bit deeper as the show unfolds, my brothers, but... Um, they got to fix it. You have to acknowledge you've got a problem first, though. And I'm wondering if Monty Williams is going to do that. All right. Well, speaking of that, for the Suns, it's just been a couple weeks. For the Cardinals, it's, it's been a lot longer. What can they do to fix this offense? One Cardinals legend weighed in. We'll react to his thoughts next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.